Welcome to the Self-Care Goddess Podcast, brought to you by me, Rita Savoya, founder of Savoya Self-Care Holistic Wellness. I'm a certified nutritionist and a holistic wellness coach for midlife women who want to rediscover their happier, sexier selves naturally without pills or side effects so that they can thrive as they age. I'm also the creator of the Savoya Self-Care Method, empowering women to nurture heart, mind, and body for transformative results. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to help millions of midlife women become their own health heroes. As a woman entrepreneur and a caregiver to aging parents, I fully understand the many responsibilities and generally stressful times women are living through these days, often suffering in silence, misunderstood, and putting themselves last. That's why each week I will be here for you, guiding you on your personal wellness journey, sharing expert advice from thought leaders on natural, practical, and simple solutions to help you thrive during the midlife transition. Get ready to listen to inspiring conversations about all things wellness, nutrition, mindset, mental health, fasting, hormones, menstrual cycle awareness and sinking, ancient healing strategies like meditation, mindfulness and breath work, and spirituality. Every month, I will also be featuring a small to medium-sized business to help spread the word on the amazing work they're doing so we can support them. And now, without further ado, let's get ready to rumble. Happy listening! Welcome, everyone. Welcome, self-care goddesses to the Self-Care Goddess podcast. And today I am super excited to have on our show, Annie Goudreau. I hope I pronounced that right, Annie. And (laughs) um, Annie is a holistic nutritionist, speaker, wellness coach. As a healthy aging expert and certified nutritional practitioner, Annie founded Vive Health and Wellness to support smart and successful women at midlife lose weight weight, sleep better, and get more of what they want. An endurance athlete with 12 marathons and three Ironman triathlons under her belt, Annie lives what she preaches, truly. A prior 25-year career as a brand consultant working with executives of Fortune 500 companies gave her a solid background to serve the wellness needs to the, of those living busy lives. She is a regular speaker to the media, corporations, and lifestyle organizations on various topics of health and is a healthy aging expert. Welcome, Annie. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. No problem. Now, before we go into it all, three Ironman triathlons, I need to ask you some questions around that because those (laughs) are tough. They're really tough. Mm -hmm. How long did you train? It's the, it's the training that is the hardest. It's not, honestly, it's not the race day. It's the training that is long because it takes so long to get ready for that level of endurance. Exactly. So how long would you train to prepare for a triathlon? If you have a minimal amount of fitness and what they call, you know, uh, you had to be able to run a 10K, for example, that was kind of the minimum. It will take you six or seven months to wow. get. Wow. Yeah, it's a good investment of time. <clears throat> the good thing is, is that you actually, because of the way Ironman works, you actually have to sign up pretty much about a year in advance. So psychologically, you can get ready. 
and you can get your life organized because you're going to spend a lot of time training and you won't have as much time doing the other little things in your life. So, um, so you arrive ready, you know, cause you've had months to prepare. Wow. And what was your favorite part of the triathlon? Oh my God, there's so many, there's so many of them, but I mean, I met incredible people because of course you don't train on your own because that's a, I mean, I, I don't have that kind of fortitude. So I joined a group who all was training for the same event and um, we, we became, as you can imagine, good friends. <laughs> oh, and you're not, obviously you're not training virtually, you're actually training like physically mm-hmm. together because yes. now, you know, oh. Post COVID, I think of oh, how are you doing it together? <laughs> but that and was so um, you know, there's virtual training that people do uh, with a coach online. Um, you know, it, it's of course it's not the same at all. Mm-hmm. You can't get into a pool right now, so I don't know how people get ready. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they have to change the name of that. It should be Iron Person. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of women that compete, right? Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. More and more. You know, my first Ironman, eighteen percent of the participants were women. So there was oh. no. But now it, in North America, the numbers are much higher. In Europe, the numbers are still are still pretty. A pretty modest for women percentage wise. I'm curious, which locations were they? Uh, well, they of course occur everywhere around the world. Yeah. Um, my first one was in Austria. Oh wow, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah are great. you gonna? Are there, are there plans to do more? Uh, at the moment, no. Okay. okay. I'm doing smaller distances. You know, there are smaller things like a half Ironman. And uh, what they call an Olympic distance, and um, that's what I have my eye on for when we when we emerge from this. <laughs> yes, good for you, amazing. You're really living, walking the talk, as they say, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we go into some myth busting, because that's what today's show is all about, is busting myths about healthy aging and aging in general. So I'm super excited about this. It's something really close to my heart. I love talking about longevity and healthy aging. So thank you again for being here. But tell us your story. So why are you doing what you're doing? Because obviously you had to, you switch careers. And I find that a lot of us, because I'm very similar story, I was in the corporate world, HR consulting and doing some career coaching. And then I moved to nutrition we have the same school, yay, IHN, um, and and then kind of followed my passion. So it's almost, I'm not sure if there's the saying is actually is an American or an English saying, but there's an, a saying in Italian that you the first time you marry is for love, and the second time you marry is for money. And I feel like the first career you do, you take on is because you want that ROI on your schooling. And then the second career is really when you follow your passion. And so, yeah, I think that's something that you've done. And a lot of us in the, in this space are are doing, which is great because we're in it for, for the real longing to help as many people as we can. So tell us your story. You know, I, uh, I grew up in a very um, challenging environment. My mom suffered from mental illness and she was really not available, and my dad left. It was a very, very difficult environment, and um, uh, I just tried to fast track as, you know, as much as possible so that I could get out of the house and get working. So I, you know, I love how you use that analogy. 
one, I was trying to just save my skin. And um, it really was how I, my mentality was. It was just, excuse me, I have spoken a lot today and it's irritated my throat. Oh, no problem, no problem. <clears throat> excuse me. All right. Um, so I, um, my first career, I would say, chose me. I did not choose it. It was right in front of me. It was like looking at a few paths and I went, oh, this one looks okay. And, um, and maybe this is what I'm going to do. And I am very grateful for it because I've made a lot of relationships that are wonderful. Um, but it's not at all who I was. And, and honestly, I did not know who I was. So um, gradually, as I evolved in my life, eventually, if you don't deal with the stuff that has marked you, it's going to come back up. And uh, there's that beautiful saying, what you resist persists. Well, it persisted and eventually kind of blew up. And um, I decided that it was time for me to kind of go heal and, and um, kind of move on. And that process included therapy and, uh, and you know, uh, changing how I also, uh, who I was spending time with in my life, et cetera. And all of those things led to realizing, you know what, I, I know there's more in me than this. And um, slowly the process of finding out what it was, you know, was a little bit slow, but I decided that I knew that my values finally were around health and and, and supporting people. So I decided to go back to school and then um, start this new career. Amazing. Such a lovely story. Thank you for sharing that. Very inspiring. So um, as you know or may not know on this show, we help a lot of women naturally thrive during the midlife transition called perimenopause uh, by embracing self-care. And there are numerous symptoms associated with this period of, of life, such as weight gain, sleep issues, mood changes, mental fog, low energy, hot flashes, and many, many, many more. But today we're going to focus on something a little different. We're not going to focus on symptoms, but we're going to focus on a very related topic, a hot topic, as, which is healthy aging. And we're going to do some bus, sorry, some myth busting and expose some falseness, okay, and almost like common stereotypical assumptions, I would say, about aging and particularly towards women and about women. So we will be sharing with you some evidence-based science because we're both a, a bits of science nerds and I love that so that we can disprove these myths and hope that we can finally break the mold and help um, women truly embrace this amazing period in their life and beyond really and thrive. So before we dig deep and bust these healthy aging myths, I would love to know from you and your experience and your clients, what do you hear is the biggest challenge for women going through this midlife transition? I think the biggest challenge is, um, you know, there's this, this saying that says it's messy in the middle. It is, it is a little bit of a challenging time because a number of things are happening at the same time. It's not just, oh, you know, I have a, I had a baby and I'm, you know, I need to acclimatize to this and so on. Often at midlife, um, there are various factors all coming together at once. Yes, the body changes and there's some adjustments and some sail through menopause easily and some people 
not so easily. Um, then there are also the fact that in our 40s and into the beginning of our 50s, we grow a lot mm. as beings. We are coming into our own. And that also presents itself as a challenge because we reevaluate is how I'm living according to who I am. Is this what I want? Is this is this career what I want, as, as we were just chatting before? Then there's also the children component, right? Um, the children are growing. Some are university age. You are not, no longer needed the same way as a mother, right? You're this person that, you know, they just consult with once in a while, but it's not as intense. So the demands family uh, life-wise also are changing. So... There's this confluence of elements that are all happening. Mm-hmm. And you, it's messy because you're trying to figure all this out and you're like, you know, trying to navigate. And the truth is that it's not one size fits all. So the roadmap, while there are there is some guidance, it's not, oh, here it is, follow this path and it's gonna be fine. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's challenging. It's it can it's a challenging time now. The flip side is that it is the most exciting time, I believe, ever. (laughs) That's very inspiring. Yay. (laughs) And nobody really talks about that, do they? We kind of like... No. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We talk about, yes, uh, perhaps some weight gain or some sleep issues and so on. You know, the other side is that it's incredibly liberating. Incredibly liberating to not be menstruating anymore. As an athlete, I'll tell you, I'm like, yay, this is great. I don't have to worry about that. For some women, you know, the, the cycle was also uh, very challenging every month, right? So, okay, eliminating all that, that's very liberating. Finding who you are and being clear about your values and what you stand for, check, 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 amazingly liberating, right? So it's also a very powerful time. Actually, as an aside, Um, Harvard Business Review published a statistic that the median average age of starting a business was 45, 45. For women. And that was actually uh, both men and women. Okay, I see, yeah. That is something that is incredibly uh, positive. And I believe that it's associated because we are coming into our own with confidence. And again, knowing what matters to us. Amazing. Yeah. That's why I love having like people like you on the show, just to get this information out there is get the positivity around this topic out there, because you're right. We often focus on the symptoms and, you know, how to like navigate through the symptoms. And we, we forget that there's this, like, you know, there is a ton, there's a light at the end of the tunnel of these like horrible symptoms that some may or may not have. And that is just so liberating to be doing really to being you, to evaluating who you are. And then at the end, just being you and having that opportunity to, to do that. So that mm-hmm. is pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. So glad. Yeah. Like um, if you have a, they say, if you have a flashlight and, and you go into one corner, that's all you're going to be able to see, but you're not going to be able to get a perspective on what's the rest of the room. I feel that it's like that when we study midlife and aging, that we, we focus so much on the problems associated with change and aging rather than highlighting 
all of the benefits, the incredible benefits. And I have a lot of, a lot of clients that are um, mothers, and I cannot tell you the amount of times that I hear them say, I am so glad they're out. I love them, but I'm so glad they're out, right? And, you know, there is no shame in saying that. It's like, I got to reclaim my life. It's been 20, 25 years of, <laughs> right, care and so on. Um, I think it's, it's wonderful to admit and to, um, to celebrate all the beautiful benefits that come with aging. Yeah, amazing. So yes, let's get ready to bust some myths together. And before I do that, I do, I've done some research with regards to where we stand as a, as a nation, as well as um, North America. And the North America's population is definitely aging. So it estimates, it's estimated that by 2050, 20% of our population will be over the age of 65, compared to 15% today. The North American lifespan is approaching 80 years. That's amazing, right? That's the average. The latest report from Statistics Canada released in 2019 found that the average life expectancy in Canada is 79.9 years for men and then slightly more for 84 years for women. We tend to live longer, except for one of the blue zones in Sardinia. The men outlive the women there, uh, which is quite interesting. And in, uh, in America, slightly lower, it's uh, slightly different. The statistic uh, men live till 76 and women 81. So there is a little bit of a difference there. And in the 50s, life expectancy had people living only eight years post-retirement. Can you believe that? That's nothing. But today, retirement lasts nearly 20 years. So um, I found this a little bit interesting, though. Compared to the life expectancy 100 years ago, the average Canadian born today will live 25 years longer. So compared to 100 years ago, however, the life expectancy rate in recent years has slowed or remained flat, seeing nil to only small gains each year. So I think today more than ever is so important to sort of evaluate those daily habits that we do because they do compound and they do sort of, um, you'll, you'll see the effect in, um, in later in life and also will contribute to this healthy living or healthy aging. Um, because yes, it's great to live till 80, but we also want to live healthy. At, we also want to reach that age very healthy, right? So going to bust some myths here. Let's start with perhaps the first one uh, where I think in our preparation, we were talking about what are some myths that we can bust? And I think the number one is all of this whole genetic component that you're stuck with the genes you have. And, you know, my dad and my grandfather and his grandfather only lived till 70. So I'm going to live till then and, and so forth. So how do we bust that? Because um, there is a little bit of research that I went uh, into and it did suggest that to a great degree, we decide how old we, we will get. So mm -hmm. our, our mindset, uh, so our mortality is not inherited um, to a large extent. I think it's only about 20 or 30% if they've done some research on twins. Um, but instead, the sum of our own habits, and like I was talking about um, earlier, has the greatest impact. And it's those compounded daily habits that have that major impact. So tell us, how else can we bust this myth? <laughs> Oh my God, it's such a juicy subject. We could, we could make an entire podcast just out of that. Maybe we will. That you are not the result of your genes. It doesn't have to be that way. 
And every time I give that workshop, every time I talk about this, you know, people's eyes really open up because um, this is one where the medical community is is quite behind in terms of like the regular GP and so on. Um, and we are not taught that we actually have agency, that we actually have an accountability for the outcome. So, you know, you talked about the genes. We know we have 20,000 plus, you know, plus uh, genes. And we know that there's about 20% only that we cannot alter. Well, the good news is that 80% we actually have an impact on. And for somebody who's listening now might be going, what is she saying? Uh, impact on 80% of my genes? And, and I get you. So there is this new science called, and you, I want to be careful. It's not new as in like, you know, it just opened up shop last Easter. It's about 20 years of this new science called, this new field called epigenetics. Science of how genes are either expressing themselves or not. So as you know, because you've done some research on this as well, we now know that some genes can either express themselves in a positive way or not, depending on a, a number of decisions and the influence that we have around us. So things like nutrition, of course, right? Um, lifestyle habits, such as, am I a smoker? Do I have money and therefore have access to perhaps sophisticated healthcare beyond basic needs? Um, am I active? Am I surrounded in an environment that is polluted or am I living near nature, right? Do I have positive relationships in my life or have I had a lot of trauma, right? All of these things, and there's more, probably, I've probably forgotten a couple of years, uh, do affect our ability to either express our genes in a positive way or not. And that's the work of Bruce Lipton, correct? So if anybody wants to look yeah. into this further, he probably is the pioneer of this of the concept epigenetics and epi meaning above um, genes so that uh, your environment influences. And it's really, he's got a really cool story and how he was actually a biologist and how he turned, he totally left that field because he was working on a project and he noticed that cells were being influenced by the environment. And then he was like, wow, this is amazing. And it was yeah. not obviously accepted in, in the community. And he had, he, he actually left and now he's doing some amazing work. So yes, check him out. Bruce Lipton, I'll put it in the show notes as well. There's, there's, and now there's a lot of science and it's not considered what people will call, you know, like woo woo, you know, it really, there is an incredible body of science where we see how um, epigenetics, you know, we can, we can take advantage of it, you know, quotation mark, and, and, and it affects mental, emotional and physical health, right? Because all of this is related. So I think that it's really important for people to realize that they can be in the driver's seat here of, you know, ultimate genetic outcome or not. Exactly. So what does it actually mean though to that we can change the expression of our gene? Like how do, how do we do that? How do we hop on the driver's seat and do that? Well, all of us have genes that can be predisposed to certain outcomes that are not desirable. 
right? Cardiovascular disease, for example, some types of cancers. Um, <clears throat> I'll talk about cardiovascular disease because for women, that's the number one killer, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, so, uh, for example, I could have a twin sister and by having a very healthy lifestyle, such as eating well, um, and being active and keeping my cardiovascular health, particularly, you know, particularly good, um, by doing a lot of meditation and taking care of my stress, I am actually doing all of the things that I need to reduce inflammation and not to, to what we would call um, accelerate the development of potential cardiovascular disease, such as, you know, clogging of my arteries, right? Having incredible levels of, of cholesterol, for example. So you are actually, um, you know, doing all of the work that actually slows down potential um, outcome that would be a cardiovascular disease, pre, you know, predisposition in my case. And if my sister were to put on excess weight because of, of a lot of, you know, poor nutritional decisions, poor management of stress, never bothering to, you know, be active or nature, et cetera, would actually accelerate that process. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is what ha- actually happens. It either stimulates it or decentify it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if that that makes sense yeah no for sure and that's when when people tell me oh you know diabetes runs in my family cardiovascular issues run in my family I question that and I and I actually say that no I think the nutritional and lifestyle habits run in your family and that's why there's this sort of it gets passed on from generation to generation so Mm -hmm. I, I do challenge people with that because there is this obviously research now saying that it's only about 20 percent 20 maybe I've heard I've heard even 30 and 40 but that still gives us 60% that we have complete control over or we can influence. Yes. And that's huge. You know, uh, research actually uh, around obesity say that the number one predictor of obesity is how many obese people are around you. Mm -hmm. Yep. We're the sum of the five people that we hang out with the most. Virus. It's because you pick on their habits you start to, uh, their thoughts become yours, right? And you then have a much more likelihood of having the same outcome of those decisions because there are some patterns. So that is the biggest determinant. Like that for me, when I read that, I, I was blown away. This is years ago. I can't remember um, this even before I was a nutritionist. I had gone to that lecture and it just blew my mind as to how much impact the environment has, but I don't want to get ahead of our discussion. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I mean, you're right. I think we should follow up with a, a program or a session only on epigenetics. That would be amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. A fascinating topic. Yeah. It's, it's huge. So let's move on to the second one that we discussed. And it was about, I guess, this whole assumption or stereotype that things are just supposed to fall apart. We're supposed to decay and deteriorate mentally and physically as we age and just, you know, take it or leave it. That's just the way it's going to be. Oh, my God. You know, 
this you know this irritates me so much when I, I when I um when I see that being portrayed. But the the reality is we are living in an ageist society, and it's everywhere. It's uh, their biases against people that are older. We see all the old jokes. If you go to the um, uh, holiday birthday cards in any store, Shoppers Dry Mart of the like, and you stand, all the jokes about, you know, turning 50 or 60 or 70 are about the fact that, you know, you're an old geezer and it's all frail people. And, you know, like it's never about optimism, great opportunity. Now you have money, you have time, you have wisdom. Yay. No, it's all about this, like, you know, uh, uh, bring a cane, uh, uh, you know, one of those little things that are called, what I can't remember what the it walkers. is. Yeah. You have such a good point. You're so right. How we just kind of downplay it by making it humorous almost, yeah. you know, hmm. so that does not reflect reality. There's actually a wonderful book. If anybody that is listening to this is interested in this topic, there's a wonderful book called this chair rocks and it is the wonderful essay that that is extremely rigorous review of everything in the North American society um, that explains why we are treating people, you know, the way we are, and just it breaks down absolutely every myth. Um, and so it's a wonderful book, and it it's she's a researcher. She has an incredible mind. Uh, I love her. I can't remember her first name, but I believe her last name is Appleton. Oh, awesome. Yes. I'll put it in the show notes for sure. Uh, so people rocks. For sure. I know about the title and, um, and, and I'm, I'm talking about that because decay, deterioration, oh my God, the best parts are over, you know, um, are highly debunked in that, in, in that, but it's also because your body is changing. Yes. But it's not deteriorating because it's aging. It's deteriorating because you have neglected it. And this is going to hurt as a message to receive. But it's an important message because we have the opportunity to keep this beautiful thing that we have healthy, you know, flexible, nimble, strong. Um, but if you were to treat your car, your home, anything that you care about, and you would never feed it properly, and you would never uh, do the proper maintenance and and do all the things that you need to do to take care of it, you know, you'd have a dilapidated home or car. But that's what we do to the body. We take it for granted, and eventually the body, you know, the body tries to keep up, and it's strong, right? It tries to keep up, but eventually, it, you know, with... <laughs> With the burden, it will eventually break down. And that's what people think comes with aging. No, not at all. Not at all. I have, as, as an endurance athlete, competed with people um, who are in their 60s, in their 70s, in their 80s. Wow, amazing. And, and it doesn't mean that we are not acknowledging you know, that, um, that we can be Olympic athletes at 72 and compete with a 22-year-old. That is not what I'm saying here. But when we see, you know, these myths of the fact that the body cannot be strong anymore and that it cannot accomplish new things, this is where I get really irritated um, because it's simply not true. It's simply not true. 
And also this week, actually, um, one of my most wonderful inspiration, a woman, um, uh, she just passed and uh, she was well known because at 62, she started, she started to run and she became a master's world um, title owner and she broke unbelievable amounts of records right into her 80s. Wow. Here in, Tur- in Toronto? Um, no, she was, um, no, I believe she was American. Okay. And um, I was sad to see that she had passed, but man, what a legacy she left to show that, A, it's never too late. She started at 62. She had been busy with children. She had had a full family life. So I want women to hear this today and go, it is not too late, ever, ever, ever. But, you know, that's the main point that I wanted to say was the fact that um, we lose all our flexibility because we are not keeping that beautiful, uh, the, you know, the, 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 uh, that we're not maintaining the efforts required for us to be limb and to be graceful, right? So as you become hunched, it's because you are not doing any strength exercises for your back to remain strong, right? It really is a question of being um, mindful about that. And of course, that's just a part of physical health. Mental health is the same, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Mental health is the same. Emotional health, it's the same. Are you nurturing? Are you taking care of what goes in there? There's a wonderful um, leadership uh, person by the name of Stephen Covey. You know, a million years ago, he wrote um, principles of... um, The seven habits of effective people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he talks about is uh, sharpening the saw. And that keeps your mind sharp, right? He picks a new hobby every three years. He would learn the guitar, learn Spanish. He used examples like that. Um, but it keeps your mind absolutely fresh. And, and in neuroplasticity, we now know that we can make um, new connections by stimulating centers, by learning new things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that is something that we should never stop. So see how it is really a myth. The truth is the body is more than willing to stay strong and healthy and capable. And, you know, you talked about the blue zones before, mm-hmm. um, you know, one thing that we see of very, very old advanced old people in their nineties is that um, they never change the way they live. If they were on a hill, they still climb up the hill up and down People there are not pushing those walkers. Sometimes they have a cane, but that's about it. People, people are not giving them their groceries. They go out, they, they, you know, and they carry their own groceries. So they're doing strength work. Yeah, that's true. So this is how, how we design our society for aging needs to reconsider that older people are not you know, frail and incapable, you know, they might be a little slower, but they're not, not at all um, incapable of doing what they need to do. You know, they can still be highly productive intellectually, you know, and in society and so on. And so much wisdom to contribute from the experiences that they've had 
And it's almost as if, I guess, more here in North America, because I um, I was born in Italy and I left when I was eight. But I like the, the seniors, the elderly, they are very, very respected and in terms of their knowledge and their wisdom. And you would go to them for advice and and I don't really see that here as much, for sure. And that brings me to the point where uh, menopause or perimenopause or is considered in, in China, I'm sure you, come, you came across this as a second spring. So in traditional Chinese medicine, they actually call it a second spring, which is amazing to hear, as opposed to here where we're like, you know, um, the winter storm or the summer heat wave, the way we describe it here. And it's... Um, it's a natural progression. It's not a disease. It's a natural natural progression and a sign of health, actually, dictated by the wisdom of your body, right? And I, I need to do a little bit more research here, but I want to know exactly how. But menopause is a homeostatic mechanism that actually slows down the aging process in women. So I will come back to you guys with some more details around that. So embracing the second spring requires acceptance of aging and change, which yeah. I, so it's a cultural thing, right? And actually uh, women in Asia don't suffer the same symptoms that the women um, here in North America do. They suffer very little actually symptoms when they mm -hmm. transition. Theories around this as well, right? Have you come across that as well? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lifestyle. It's also the food for sure. Nutrition and lifestyle as well. Just like talking about those blue zones, there's a lot of walking that they do and a lot of community around the elderly and they're respected as well. Um, and I feel like here we kind of put them into a home and, and then that's it, you know, kind of go visit them, you know, once a month or something like that. I'm not saying that we all do that, um, but it's kind of the norm. And so, and here we're all constantly afraid of death and constantly afraid of aging. And we're always chasing that fountain of youth as, as opposed to just embracing like, hey, I'm never going to look like I did when I was 20. And I don't really want to look that way anyway, right? So it's kind of like you're over it. You've been there, done that. Let's move on to the next um, chapter in the next phase. So mm -hmm. that curiosity and it is definitely a cultural thing as well, which uh, it's a big hurdle. But I think the more we talk about it, the more conversations we have, the more people will be comfortable with the topic. And um, Cameron Diaz, because a lot of actresses face this. As soon as they turn 40, that's it. They're no longer offered yeah, for the role, except for a couple of, of actresses like Meryl Streep and stuff like that. But Cameron Diaz actually came came forth with this and said, yeah, as soon as I turned 40, got some wrinkles, I wasn't offered any more roles. And, uh, and she wrote a really cool book. It's called The Longevity Book. Mm -hmm. And it's got some really cool experiences and some really cool stuff. So if you guys want to check that out too. Um, it was kind of an eye-opener just seeing it from a celebrity's point of view. So that's quite interesting. But again, I think we still need, there's a, there's a huge gap between where we need to be and where we are. But I think, you know, we're, we're being part of that, Annie, and getting the word out there. By example, right? Educating and leading by example is what I hope, you know, will contribute to making a change. But I also want to make sure that, that, um, that listeners also understand that, you know, you said something very important there, that there is a change happening. And we need to adjust and we need to adapt and it's very important so especially for women to listen to those changes you know as a little bit of, of muscle mass for example right is going to start decreasing it's even more important to be active 
it's even more important to look at, okay, how can I put some strength exercise in my routine so that I keep, you know, my muscle mass nice and strong, mm-hmm. things like that, right? So it's not about denying the changes that are happening. It's about listening, recognizing, and then doing something so that we remain strong and vital. Yeah, it's adapting to that change because that change is inevitable. So it's adapting to it to avoid the mm-hmm. whole of the king and deterioration. So to really support the body with your nutrition, lifestyle um, habits. So very yeah. in a very holistic approach. I love that. Yes, thank you. Um, so we'll come to the third and last one, unfortunately, but I'm sure we'll have you on again to discuss maybe some more myths or something different. Um, I guess the the whole myth, which is really, really uh, pervasive, is your best years are behind you. <laughs> and uh, that's it. So I think it's kind of related to the decay and deterioration, but how do you how do we bust that one? You know, it's very interesting um, because here we have wonderful studies that show that happiness, for example, is a U-curve. So um, early in your life, you're very happy, go lucky. If you're fortunate to, you know, live in a wonderful place, us in Canada, we're very privileged, but it's still not all of us still here. Um, and as the uh, the years uh, go by the you see this you the, the the first curve the descending curve is happening and you at your lowest believe it or not as you approach the 40s and then there's this beautiful things that happen it starts to pick up again in your 50s and it increases the happiness quotient goes right back up Wow, I didn't know this. That's awesome. Oh my God, I will have to share this, um, this graph with you because I keep it as a reminder for myself. <laughs> and, and the reason is, and, and we're not talking about, you know, not everyone is happy, la la la, life is perfect every day. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about a general sense of I'm in a good place and, you know, I'm safe and I'm fulfilled and so on. And it's normal that when you've got, you know, two kids at home, two people working, a lot of stress going on. Uh, We live in a pandemic. Um, You know, there's a lot of demand on people. And eventually, you know, things settle and it makes sense, right? That 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 curve goes back up. But this shows you that at 60, you will be happier than at 40. Statistically speaking, this is, uh, you know, this is like undebatable. This is like fact. And to me, that's one, just one of the things that show how crazy that is, that your best years are behind you. It's actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, it has to do with fulfillment and purpose. So being fulfilled, as we know, you know, emotionally in our lives, professionally, look at us, right? Having uh, chosen a new path. I only chose that path that new path, because it was the one that was finally aligned with who I am, right? So that's deeply fulfilling, right? It's not something that, like, I'm 52 now. It's not something that I had at 32. At 32, I was like, I have a job. I make good money. Job done, right? I was not looking at fulfillment. I had no idea what that meant anyways. And that's fine. <laughs> that comes with the maturity, right? Knowing who you are, um, having more confidence, and... Uh, surrounding yourself really with the people that uh, truly you care about as opposed to what you were supposed to, 
right? We did a lot of things to please our parents, maybe, or please the environment or the culture that we grew up in. And then eventually we go, mm, okay, this is, this is nice, but maybe this is not entirely for me. And then we get to choose what works for us. And I believe that that's what happens very much as we get older. And this is definitely proven with, um, you know, we talked about entrepreneurs, the median age being 45. Um, we see more and more athletes that, you know, it, you know, uh, and this is changing as well, but even athletes that are defying at what age they're going to be retiring, right? And they're like, no way. I heard Serena Williams actually one day, she, somebody asked her, you know, uh, you know, she was considering retirement and then she just looked, you know, and she did one of those, like, you know, just very calm um, and put her hand in her chin and just went, do you suggest that I should be retiring? I am the top ranked tennis player in the world. Good for her. Go Serena. Yay. Oh, yeah. I was like, boom. <laughs> But um, um, all of that to say that I think that it's a mindset and as we talked about, very much created by biases against ageism. And we see that in the professional world where we go up, people that are 50, 60, they don't understand technology. Again, that's a falsehood. It's not fact. So it's all about the fact that um, the truth is very different than what uh, these myths are. And it's important, just like I keep that little stat on my desktop to remind myself, it's really important to uh, surround ourselves with people that also see the future as a positive thing, right? Um, the glass half full is very important now more than ever. Mm -hmm, I agree. So much possibility in our future years. I have all kinds of things that I've already decided that I was gonna do when I'm in my 70s and my 80s. I don't have quite time to do them right now, but I'm excited because it will be fantastic to take on these new things, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think that it's an important myth because it goes to the thought process, to the mindset, and allowing you know men and women to see that, you know, um, the, the now and the future is very much based on what your belief system is and then your action supporting your belief systems. That's amazing. Like, I love that. I love the, the visual image. I will print that out and, uh, and be looking forward to those years for sure and sharing it with my parents as well. Um, I do see that, yeah, sometimes they, they seem happier than they were for sure in, uh, in earlier years, definitely. And even the, the aging bias, I believe it's not always it's so explicit. A lot of people have this implicit unconscious bias because of culture and society and, you know, mainstream media and everything else. So I think that's also some work that people need to kind of do or for us to kind of change this perspective as well. And funny story about an athlete because I was, I was actually living in Dubai and I had met a bunch of soccer or football players and it was after the, the game or after the tournament, I can't remember. And, um, we were drinking, you know, partying. And I asked, I was like, oh, where's Zanetti? Zanetti was um, somebody that played with Inter. And they're like, oh, no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't come out and party. He doesn't come out after. He just has dinner and then he leaves and goes back to his room and he rests. And I was like, wow, okay, that's amazing. Well, he, 
he ended his career. He, it was a 20 year career. He was 41, which is unheard of in football because you are usually by your honestly late thirties, mid thirties, max, you are over the hill and nobody wants you anymore, but he was still super strong. And it was, and then that reminded me of, yeah, it's probably that healthy habit he has of not coming out, not drinking, not partying till late, early, early in the morning. And that's, what's made him um, such a good, a great athlete. And there's so many other players um, that I know that it's their everyday accumulation of those nutritional and lifestyle decisions that we make. So, you know, yes, it's not going to kill you if you have, you know, a bad meal one time, but the accumulation of these meals and even like we said, the mindset and the people we surround ourselves with, it will take a toll for sure. Mm, so yeah. something to remember, definitely. Interesting. I love that. Thank you. Um, we are almost um, out of time. So I do want to wrap up with some practical sort of what can women do? What can our listeners do to today to sort of, you know, ramp up their self-care and the, a path on to healthy and aging? So sort of your top three self-care activities that women can, uh, can take on. Um, you know what? The biggest one for me is always um, the surrounding women. Women are amazing collaborators, amazing networkers, and um, uh, joining a community of interest is one of the biggest things, the biggest gifts you can give yourself for a number of reasons. One, it adds to your emotional health, but having a hobby, having something that you share with others First of all, it's going to take your mind away from, you know, some of the worry that we have right now, of course, um, but on an ongoing basis, whether you are worried, you know, in your career or in your relationship or, you know, with kids and so on. That is one of the most powerful things. I was talking about one of the biggest blessings of having trained for Ironman was my community, my, my ladies. There were a few good men as well, um, but that became you know, a lifeline. And it's proven as you have a hobby also that it will keep your mind sharp. So it's, it's great from a mental and emotional standpoint, because you share those values, right? It's because it rejuvenates you as well. We live in a hyper work society. And we think that rest and rejuvenation, you know, is is a luxury. It's a once a year that you should go to the spa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a really big believer that on a weekly basis, uh, having a hobby, you know, turning it off, not being tied to technology is really, really important. So that would be like one of the biggest things that people can, you know, biggest gift that they can give themselves as a self-care is that. Amazing. Thank you. It ties into the other one, which is minding the community that you keep, right? So being around people that are also... Um, sharing value, the same values as you are, um, that are uplifting, and they you will you know you will absorb their energy, and it it will make you a much better human being. People always go, how can you stay motivated in the winter? And I always say because I have great friends that just will whip my ass if I don't stay true to our commitments to go snowshoe, to go walk, or you know, or will, you know, keep me healthy. So I think that the company you keep is going to make sure that um, 
you know, you make progress. And as you said, there's little things every day. They help me do the good things every day. That is great. Uh, great. Surround yourself with great people. Surround yourself with amazing people that will encourage and, and push you. Kick your ass, as you say, when you don't feel like it. Way, right? With, oh, I don't feel like it. They go, oh, it doesn't matter that you don't feel like it. You'll feel like it after we're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we say to each other. Well, yes. we'll like it now, but after we'll be happy. Okay. <laughs> So important. Thank you. These are amazing, amazing things that we can sort of reevaluate, evaluate. Are the people that I surround myself with, are they giving me this and am I giving this to them? So really, really insightful. Thank you. Amazing. So where can people find you? Very easy. I actually would love if people want to grab one of my freebies. I have a wonderful little guide that I call Flame Out to Fabulous strategies for healthy aging for women and all they have to do is to go to vive.ca and that's v-e-e-v.ca and you can download it right there and i have lots of great um little um strategies on all kinds of different topics in the blog section for people that are interested in learning more about the different pillars of healthy aging Amazing. Thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed today's conversation with you. Thank you for joining the Self-Care Goddess podcast and helping to keep the conversation going by empowering women to discover holistic ways to help us thrive in the pursuit of good health, happiness, and vitality as we age. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful, Annie, and I can't wait to have you back. Thank you for having me and doing such beautiful work that support women out there. It's tremendous. So thank you. It's been my honor. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking part of your day and sharing it with me by listening to this amazing podcast episode. I would also like to thank our sponsors, St. Lucian Seamoss. Check them out and get some awesome Seamoss www.stlucianseamoss.co. If you enjoyed this podcast and it was helpful, please share it with your loved ones or a friend and check out savoyaselfcare.com for more amazing wellness tips. Please also leave us a rating now on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to info at savoyaselfcare.com. We will reply with a gift as a grateful thank you. If you want to upgrade your healthy living and take it to the next level, be sure to join us next week. And remember, self-care is not selfish, it's self-love. Ciao for now.